Welcome to the Laser 101 Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Walensky, the Laser Dentist. You know, one of the reasons I really love hosting this podcast is that I'm able to shine light on some of the best and the brightest minds in our industry of lasers and dentistry. And today's guest fits this category perfectly, but it's not like he's living inside a box. It's, it's quite the contrary, but unless you have the good fortune of listening to him espouse his brilliance in person at an important meeting around the world, you may be missing out. Dr. Justin Kolnick is our guest today, and he received his dental degree cum laude from the University of Witwatersrand in South Africa, where he was the first dental school graduate ever to be awarded the university scholarship for overseas post-grad study. He completed his postdoc endodontic training uh, from Columbia University in New York. Dr. Kolnick has taught at Columbia and also at the New York Medical College, and he continues to lecture internationally at quite a profound pace. And for the past 15 years, his experience and expertise in lasers has made a significant contribution to the development of a comprehensive laser-assisted treatment concept in endodontics. Justin, thank you so much for joining us today. Great to have you and great to be with you. Oh, it's wonderful. You're so difficult to pin down. We've been trying to schedule this podcast, uh, but you were in, I think, Copenhagen and Dallas, and then you were actually working. Yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> so that happens sometimes. So uh, when I started using lasers, the, the erbium laser I used was not cleared yet by the FDA for use in endodontics. So I have to imagine that there weren't many endodontists using lasers back when you started either. And so how did that start for you? Well, you know, it's so long ago that I don't remember how it started. I think it started with the the evolution of the radial firing tip. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I saw uh, a laser tip that could fit in a root canal and that um, distributed um, most of the energy radially, and it made sense. It made sense that this is something I could possibly use within a root canal. Uh, as an endodontist, uh, I've been struggling for about 40 years to find the ideal protocol, the protocol that will uh, eliminate all infection from a root canal and guarantee uh, success every time. Uh, we, we haven't quite got there yet, but I think that with this technology, we are much, much closer to achieving that goal. Oh, this, is, this is a really broad question, but how has the evolution of lasers changed endodontics? Well, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, when any new technology comes out, it Certainly, first of all, it's very, very hard, very difficult to get uh, our colleagues to change their way of thinking or to change their protocols or the technology that they use. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that, that certainly was a struggle for me in the past 15 years. And um, I'm just happy to say that there has been some vindication because in the last couple of years, this technology has been adopted by the specialty of endodontics, and all of a sudden there's this huge surge and in interest by my fellow endodontists to um, 
learn about this technology and to incorporate it uh, in their in their offices. Um, so it, it's been very, very interesting times. So I remember when I first started using lasers that um, in endodontics, our primary goal was to kill bacteria. And I know that there's been a huge evolution and that's, uh, it's not that that's not a goal, but with the, maybe the elimination of biofilms and, and shock waves and, and, and cavitation. Can you talk about that evolution from the laser perspective? Sure, I think uh, we, we could start with a phrase that I coined, um, the phrase of ease of outcome, the ease with which the desired outcome is achieved. So it's not only the ability to manage the bio burden within root canal systems, but it's also the path that one takes, the endodontic experience, not just for the patient, but also for the uh, dentist or endodontist. Of course, we encounter significant, um, many different complications during endodontic therapy. And the idea was to utilize this energy source to not only achieve cleaning and disinfection of root canals, but to also um, overcome many of these complications or obstacles that we encounter during treatment. So over the years, I developed this comprehensive treatment concept where um, we're able to use this technology throughout the endodontic treatment, uh, not just um, to clean and disinfect after the canals were, were shaped. So um, managing issues like loss of patency or calcifications or resorption or separated instruments, the whole host um, of issues that we deal with as endodontists and um, it has been a struggle to, to really get my colleagues to understand that this technology, to understand the utility of this technology. And as I said, more recently in the last year or so, um, we've seen a lot of success with endodontists are, you know, adopting this technology. That's wonderful. Are there um, are, are there benefits to using lasers in cases of calcification or in retreatment? Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, when you activate uh, a laser in a root canal uh, in the presence of uh, either water or or a, an irrigating solution, it creates this cavitation effect that imparts a significant velocity to the irrigant that uh, almost shoots through the system, uh, not similar to a shock wave, but not a true shock wave. And this creates shear along the walls and it breaks up the biofilm and, um, you know, uh, opens all portals of exit, achieves um, drainage and decompression of periapical tissues. Uh, but, with calcified cases, uh, the assistance of the laser cavitation effect is actually during instrumentation, where instead of recapitulating or going back in with a smaller file each time to keep the canal unblocked, we can now recapitulate with laser energy. And this not only keeps the, um, the root canal system 
patent, but it also removes that dent and mud that accumulates. And this uh, uh, allows the operator to uh, clean and shape the calcified system um, which facilitates that whole process. So not only is it um, very effective, but it saves a lot of time. Pretty much mm -hmm. since I've introduced this uh, technology in, in my protocol, uh, we've been able to see at least one or two um, additional working patients a day. And, um, you know, mm -hmm. the, the return on investment uh, is significant, not just financial, but also um, uh, emotional in a way in that it reduces the stress that uh, we encounter during this um, endodontic process. That's wonderful. That's fascinating. And I'm very surprised, actually, that, um, it, it, you know, anytime we try to use or we incorporate new technology, and not every time, but it's often um, something that, that takes additional time, even though you're doing, I mean, you're doing something that, you know, that you weren't doing before. So the fact that you're able to actually treat more patients um, is actually surprising to me. I, I will tell you that as a patient myself of uh, laser endodontics, it's the the whole cavitation experience, and it is an experience, uh, is quite fascinating because we're dealing with with light, you know, laser, and so you don't think of lasers having a sound and a a a, a feeling. And it's quite the, the opposite. You can you can really feel a thumping inside of this small canal. That's interesting that, that you say that. I've never experienced it because I've I've never personally had a root canal done with a laser. So um... <laughs> it, it's 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 really it, it blew me away because I know the the low energies that are involved in in that part of the treatment. And you know we're we're talking about um, you know just over maybe one watt of of energy coming out of this what uh, two or three hundred micron fiber with the radial firing tip, but yet in that confined space it feels like you're getting thumped on with a mallet, but it's not uncomfortable. It's just this crazy powerful feeling that's coming from inside your tooth and interesting, interesting. yeah it, it just yeah so so you know what your what your patients are feeling um justin i never knew you pre-lasers yet i know you to be a consummate professional both clinically and as an educator and you've been doing this uh, as i said in your introduction for at least the past 15 years or so how has that uh, uh, evolution been from the time that you first started talking about lasers to the things that you talk about now? Well, actually, I have the standing joke when I, when I give a lecture. You know, I like to um, to move around uh, in front of the audience, not to uh, keep in a static position while I'm presenting. I think part of that is just to keep the audience awake. But um, I always joke and I always say that, you know, um, for 15 years, I've been using this technology, and for 12 years of that time, the first 12 years, I've had to move around a lot on stage, you know, to um, to avoid all the objects that are thrown at me while I'm lecturing. So, <laughs> yes, right. So, and the and, and dodging the arrows, <laughs> dodging, yeah, dodging everything, the rotten tomatoes and eggs and everything, but. Um, so that that joke always goes down well. It always goes down well. So that happens less often these days. 
Yeah, I can't remember when last something was thrown at me. Um, it's been a while, maybe a couple of years. <laughs> so, so that's that's the biggest benefit. You don't have to uh, lecture behind chicken wire anymore. That, that is correct. That is um, correct. Um, but, you know, there's still a lot of resistance to this technology. Um, it's almost like when we first started with computers, uh, uh, I was, you know, dead scared of the computer. You know, every now and then the skull and crossbones would appear on the screen and it would, uh, in bold letters, uh, fatal error type of thing. So there was this computer phobia uh, when computers came out. And there's certainly this laser um, phobia that we encounter because uh, there is there is a learning curve, although it, uh, it it's not that difficult, as you know. Mm -hmm. But um it seems that you know uh, different endodontists uh endodontists have their own agenda especially those that are teachers and and lecturing and you know if if something doesn't fit into that agenda then it gets dismissed so you know one of the problems i have is when i lecture to residents in endodontic programs often the uh the attendings aren't uh present and when the residents go back to the clinics and start asking questions about lasers, they almost uh, unanimous, unanimously the uh, those that know nothing about lasers would say, "Oh, you know, lasers—they um, don't make a difference. They—they they just, you know, there's no advantage to using a laser." Yes. Um, you know, what, one of the big advantages for us has been the concept of predicting outcomes. Almost every day we are asked in one way or another by our patients to predict the success of a case, especially if it's a, a patient that really doesn't want to be in an endodontist office and, you know, has had previous success with implants and just wants the tooth removed and an implant placed. So they, they come in quite aggressive and, and, and they... Um, you know, often, you know, demand uh, some type of a percentage of success, you know. So depending on whether I decide uh, if I want to treat that particular patient, I can give <laughs> either a high or a low uh, estimate. But pretty much... <laughs> what a great tool. <laughs> but pretty much um, this, this technology allows us to give a very high uh, percentage of anticipated success you know, over 95%, uh, especially with retreatments. And um, it really makes it really makes a difference for the for the patient it makes a big difference for the patient in that, um, you know, they they feel more confident that their problem can be resolved. So predicting outcomes uh, is, is an important part of what we we do as dentists. Um, but, you know, we can talk the talk, but we certainly have to walk the walk. Um, we need to achieve, in most cases, those uh, high percentage success rates that we um, th that we predict. So it's changed the way we uh, predict outcomes. It's changed the way the treatment is planned. And it changes, changes the way um, endodontics is performed. So it's uh, it's a valuable tool. Um, I would say in the past 40 years plus that I've been practicing, 
Uh, about every 10 days, every decade, a technology has emerged that has become indispensable in our, in our practice, uh, from the apex locator to um, the microscope, the surgical microscope, to CBCT, um, three-dimensional radiography. And in that group, in that so-called endodontic hall of fame, I would put the laser because the laser has now changed the way we think about performing endodontics. Has it become any easier other than not having to be behind chicken wire to uh, talk to your colleagues? Or are they more open to the fact that lasers could have possibly some benefit in endodontics? Yes. Well, something strange has happened. Of course, there are um, different, as you know, different wavelengths of lasers. There are different laser companies. There, uh, there are alternative uh, technologies that have emerged. And, um, you know, one particular technology has, has done a, a, an extremely good job of marketing their, um, their technology. And endodontists who've tried that technology have said, well, you know, before we um, take the leap of faith, let me let us look at other, uh, other technologies that are available. And almost on the coattail of of um, other technologies has lasers become really really um uh a technology that is is considered and of course as more and more people use it and more and more endodontists are posting cases online and talking about it uh the interest is growing uh and you know one of the the biggest issues with with this particular the erbium chromium YSGG laser has been, as you know has been the cost the cost of the unit and as um this technology has is, is coming out now in in a much less expensive uh, iteration uh it it it's becoming much more affordable and um and i think that's that's also one of the reasons um, the the problem is that in certain countries in the world, the the fees for endodontics are so low mm. that uh, it becomes prohibitively expensive to to invest in um, in lasers, um, uh, you know, to manage those those cases. So it's not uh, it's not uh, affordable in all countries, but we're blessed, of course, in the United States that. Um, that you know, patients uh, understand the importance of endodontics and are you know willing to invest in their oral health, and this um, gives us the opportunity to offer the best technology available. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, let me let me ask you this, Justin: Are there any procedures that you would either simply not be able to do without a laser, or something that you could do but maybe not as well? Well, almost every endodontic procedure, because we're now able to achieve a much higher level of disinfection in infected cases. And as you know, uh, apical periodontitis is the disease process that we are uh, mainly treating uh, in endodontics. Yes. And um, although there aren't many um, outcome studies for much of what we do in endodontics, there are plenty studies that will uh, illustrate uh you know how effective this technology is in reducing the bio burden in root canal systems and we have to assume at this at this stage that the more bacteria we eliminate from root canal systems 
the greater the chance um, of healing. And um, that's the prevailing thinking right now. And, you know, we're reaching very high log kill rates for bacteria, significantly higher than uh, conventional uh, protocols. And um, so, you know, I think that uh, we've certainly uh, we've certainly come a long way. Yes. You know, I know that you are a well-published author in the area of lasers and endodontics. Uh, do you have a, uh, maybe not a favorite paper, but which, which of your papers do you feel has been most impactful? Well, I think that, um, you know, one of the problems we have in endodontics is managing disease that doesn't respond to treatment. Mm -hmm. And um, this recalcitrant disease, if, if uh, you know, I, I believe that the um, most important attribute of an endodontist is his or her ability to manage refractory disease, disease that doesn't respond to treatment. So uh, the one paper that I published was about managing refractory disease. And these were cases that had been started by other endodontists and were never completed because the endodontists were unable to uh, alleviate the symptoms. And um, these patients reached me through various means, some through the internet, some uh, as a result of um, um, moving to a different dentist. And um, the paper illustrated how uh, without really changing um, the you know, the way we manage the cases other than introducing the laser, we were able to routinely manage cases like this. And, um, you know, I think that was a, a bit of an eye opener because if, if, you, if you illustrate the effectiveness of this technology by actually pinpointing uh, specific clinical conditions that dentists are struggling with, then I think it really hits home, you know? Um, so I think that 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 paper was one of the first laser uh, assisted papers that I published that um, that I, I, I think was important. Mm. Well, definitely. I, I no longer do um, endodontics in my my private practice, but uh, I, I do have a question and this is just maybe it's just more personal. Uh, there was a uh, there was thinking at at one point where um, multiple wavelengths in the use of uh, in in the treatment of endodontics uh, would be more helpful. But then there was a question of whether there was actually any clinical uh, significance to adding uh, a thermal, whether it be NDAG or diode, afterwards uh, after using an, an erbium and and doing all of the, um, the the traditional treatments in in the wet canal. Do you have any update on that? Are you any feeling? Well, I mean, just at the outset, um, using um, a diode uh, or NDAG, uh, I don't know about the NDAG, but certainly a diode has not been cleared by the FDA for use in a root canal. Um, okay, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> there's that. But, you know, there is off-label use. People uh, can certainly use off-label off use. I, I don't see if you are using the erbium YSGG laser, I don't see an advantage to adding the the diode wavelength. Um, the manufacturers have, have really made quite an effort to promote that. 
if you look at the research, most of, of which came out of um, Aachen in Germany, uh, the, the models that were used to test the effectiveness of the dual wavelength um, were really not simulating the, the clinical use in root canals. If they were using different uh, uh, blocks of dentin of different thicknesses and infecting one side of the block and then irradiating through the other side, uh, you know, it would show to some extent uh, some bacterial kill rate uh, over different thicknesses of the dentin, but that's not the way it works in a root canal. So I think that um, it's not a good idea to introduce heat into a root canal. And, uh, you know, uh, of course, we use an uninitiated tip with, with a diode if we put it in a root canal. But in the presence of blood, we know that it could become self-initiated. And we're talking about a significant amount of heat that could, uh, in fact, pass through the tooth structure and damage the periodontal ligament. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the studies show that compared to just regular irrigation with a needle, that if you add the um, the diode wavelength, that you may get a, a, a better kill rate. But once again, if we have the Erbium YSGG, which is far superior and achieves much more than killing bacteria, um, there really is no need in my mind to uh, to add a second wavelength. Um, but, you know, the future, the future may show something different. And, um, you know, if it's, uh, if it's evidence-based and we see a significant advantage, um, then, you know, maybe my, I'll change my mind, my way of thinking. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking really to simplify and not to complicate. And, um, you know, some research has been done firing two different wavelengths through the same tip, which is a, a revolutionary concept that would certainly be better than having a second um, laser unit with a, a different tip and, and uh, you know, adding the expense of another tip uh, to the process. Um, the real problem also with the, with the diode is that for it to be killing bacteria uh, at the terminus of the canal, you pretty much need to place the laser tip at or near the terminus of the root canal. And um, currently, the, the tips we have, we, with the tips we have, we're not able to get that deep penetration um, in placing the tip, especially when there's some curvature to the root. So the cavitation effect, I think, is king right now. And, you know, that can certainly pass throughout the system without having to have the laser tip positioned right at the terminus of the canal. So, um, you know, unless you have um, additional information that I'm not aware of, uh, there's new, there's new research coming out all the time. But I, I think if someone is looking to um, acquire a laser and trying to decide between um, uh, a, a diode laser um, in the visible light range or uh, an infrared laser like the erbium lasers, uh, you know, one is much cheaper than the other, but uh, it's not nearly as efficacious. So. I think, uh, once again, if you have the erbium laser, I think that's um, that's the way to go. Terrific. You you did mention the future, and I have asked all my 
guests this question, uh, but not in the field of endodontics. What is your vision for the future of lasers in endo? Well, I think that we are approximating a log four kill. Um, log six is a sterile root canal. Pretty much the standard technique is, is a log, log two kill. Let's say uh, you get a log three kill. That means for every million bacteria in a root canal, you're left with a thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, log four, you'll be left with a hundred. You know, log five, ten, and log six will be, uh, will be sterile. Um, I'm not convinced that we have to achieve a log six kill to, um, to achieve the highest level of outcome in endodontics. Um, but I, I think that the move, I think the move right now in, in endodontics is to, um, go in a different direction. The direction that, um, some companies are going in is to say, well, we're going to introduce a technology where you don't have to instrument a root canal at all. And you just stick this on the tooth and activate it and it will clean the system and you don't have to instrument the canal. So maybe in the future that will be the way. Um, But I'm, I'm concerned with optimal performance. So if, if I'm using a laser, I want to use it optimally. Yes. I'm not going to use it in a canal that's under instrumented, knowing that I can't get penetration with my laser tip, knowing that the cavitation process will be compromised. And therefore, I'll have to rely much more on chemicals. So one of the big advantages of working with a laser is that a lot of the work can be done with activating water in a root canal. And then once we've uh, cleaned and broken up or preconditioned the biofilm, we can go with a very much diluted concentration of sodium hypochlorite, which is our main biocide in endodontics. So I'm working currently with 0.5%, which is Dakin solution and was used in the First World War to irrigate wounds. Um, So, you know, when you look at the drawbacks of introducing this technology, and maybe I'll preempt one of your questions, uh, there's a lot of concern about pushing chemicals out the end of the root canal, extrusion of chemicals out the end of the root canal. Yes, I'm asked that all the time. We've seen with uh, other technology that's currently available that they've had to modify their technology significantly because of the high incidence of sodium hypochlorite accidents that were being reported. Um, so as far as the Erbium YSGG is concerned, there are no clinical contraindications. There's no clinical situation where we cannot use it. If it's communicating with the sinus or with the inferior dental canal, um, you know, the, um, it's proved to be an extremely safe technology, but once again, it's really important for the, the dentist to be properly trained. And one of the issues I have is that um, there is there is a great need for advanced training in the use of lasers in endodontics. Mm-hmm. And while the basic training is is good and it uh, it covers a great many subjects, as as you're aware, uh, there's also some intermediate training available. But 
for endodontics, um, you know, my interest is in developing an advanced training course um, because when you get familiar with this protocol, um, there is a feeling that you, you want to use more energy. You know, uh, all right, this energy that's preset in the machine, it's working, it's okay. But look, I have a blocked canal. I have a separated instrument. I want more energy. And then you think, oh, well, I'm just going to increase the, the power. Uh, but you can't just do that willy-nilly without really understanding what it is that you're doing mm -hmm. and what the um, the complications can be of applying this energy to a root canal. Um, one of the biggest complications that we see if the technology is not used thoughtfully is uh, micro-ledging of the root canals. Uh, I prefer to call it the uh, laser signature. And anytime you use a laser in a root canal, it will change the surface of the um, the canal. If you use a rotary file or a hand file, it will change the surface of the canal. That would be the signature of the rotary or hand file. And with the laser as well, because it also has an affinity for uh, moisture that's in the dentin itself, we can see uh, a roughening of the um, the wall of the canal, and if you know the the laser is um, kept stationary for any length of time, you may create a micro ledge. So once again, it all goes to the training, and once you have the training, we know how to mitigate this type of problem, and if the problem does occur, we know how to manage it. So it's all part of the advanced training with this technology. I, I noticed in your progression, uh, especially that the more and more you learned, and then the more and more you realized you didn't know, uh, you were have always been a proponent of the training, and I, I applaud you for that because that is so important. It's not just having the tool, but knowing how to use the tool properly. Right, right. So, and I, I applaud have... you too because you have been really uh, in the forefront of of this long before I came. Long before I even knew what a laser was, you were there. And, um, you know, it's it's really in the last 15 years that I've got to know you a lot better. And and we've stood on, a, on the podium in many different countries uh, together answering questions on, on lasers in dentistry. And, um, you know, I really appreciate what I've been able to learn from you. And... Uh, and I'm sure that there's greater things to come from from you. <laughs> well, that's a big expectation, but thank you so much. I've also enjoyed our time together. Uh, I have actually one question that um, you know you've you've addressed the um, improved predictability of success at the end of your endodontic uh, treatment. Is there is by using a laser? Are there any? Um, changes that are necessary in the actual obturation process? No. Okay. I mean, the obturation process really has been simplified. Um, with the development of uh, bioceramic or bioactive sealers that actually expand slightly on setting, um, we're now able to, um, you know, to fill the canal with a sealer and maybe use a single gutta percha cone um in the event that uh there, there may be a need to retreat the case later on um because in the old days when the sealer uh, would sit most of the sealers um contracted or shrank slightly 
So the idea was to keep that sealer film as thin as possible and pack as much gutta percha, whether it's vertically condensing warm gutta percha or lateral condensation of cold gutta percha points. The idea was to stuff as much gutta percha into the canal to keep that sealer film as thin as possible. Right. You don't need to do that anymore. So that that certainly has has um, has been a big change for us. The development of these bioceramic sealers. I, I really I thank you so much. Uh, we're we're getting down to final thoughts here. Is is there anything that I've I've missed or that you'd like to share with us that we haven't discussed? Um, I'm as passionate now about endodontics as I've ever been. Um, I think that uh, you know if better technology comes out in the next. Uh, five years before I finally hang up my files, then certainly I will I will I will move on. But um, you know, I think it uh, things are looking really positive for laser assisted endodontics. And um and no, uh, there's nothing really that oh the, the one thing is that of course the use of um LAI laser activation um, has really um, reinforced the concept of single visit endodontics, where uh, the root canal therapy could be completed in a single visit. Now, single visit versus multi visit has been a controversy in endodontics since, I guess, the days of the pharaohs. No, I'm only kidding, but since the beginning, there have always been arguments about, uh, you know, what is better, single visit or, or multiple visit. But the um, the advantages of using this technology, even uh, one of the advantages being the ability to promote um, decompression and drainage of periapical tissues. And certainly if, it, if the tissues need to be drained uh, through the root canal and you plan to do it in a single visit, you really need to be able to drain that pus or infection uh, and if you don't, you know the patient will be uh, will be pretty unhappy for for a week or two afterwards. So I think single visit. Um, I find a lot of patients come in today, and they're expecting single visit. I don't know where they've heard it on the internet or wherever. And when you tell them, well, you know, this was a complicated case, very infective. We're going to medicate the tooth. We need to bring you back for another visit. They say, what do you mean? You know, why do I have to come back for another visit? So. Um, I think that um, the contribution that this technology makes to single visit endodontics uh, is probably um, greater than any other um, technology out there. Mm. And I guess that's uh, that's that's about it until I um, finish this interview, and then I'll think of uh, five or six different advantages uh, <laughs> 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 that I'll miss out on. That that happens to me when I go on my uh, doctor's appointments, and then I get home and I get asked, "Well, did you ask him this? And did you ask him that?" And no, no, no. Yeah, yeah I like that. I like the way you say when when you get asked. Uh, <laughs> it happens with me. I come back and and my you know my significant other, she uh, says, "Well, did you?" And I say, "Oh my God, I forgot to ask this. And I forgot this. And I forgot like right. so many things, you know." So. Right. Um, you know, and as we get older, we're not remember, remembering as <laughs> we used to. But, Absolutely. Um, so, but yeah, I, yeah, I think, um, you know, I, 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 it would be interesting for me to hear from 
general dentists who refer a lot of the endodontics to specialists, uh, and especially now if they're referring to a laser, um, a laser-assisted endodontist, whether they are hearing or seeing, um, you know, f- feedback mm-hmm. from their patients. I know we're seeing much less post-op pain. We much much fewer post-operative uh, complications. Uh, our surgeries that we are doing heal uh, significantly better um, with um, the use of lasers. Um, so it would be interesting. I, I think it's still a, a good many years away from us getting any significant feedback from general dentists. But, um, you know, the one, one thing I feel very strongly about when I lecture to the Northeast Nathologic Society in uh uh, in New York City, the room was full of prosthodontists, and I was talking about lasers and all the advantages. And I said, you know, um, I don't think that you, as uh, speaking to the audience as prosthodontists, need to know exactly uh, the uh, minutia um, of the uh, the techniques that your endodontist is using, but you certainly do need to know what's out there and what's available. And um, nothing wrong with, um, you know, questioning your endodontist if he or she um, has looked at some of this advanced technology. I think I think it's important. And only once that happens, I think, will we be able to get significant feedback from uh, referring referring dentists. Another question uh, I just thought of: How much have you embraced? the use of photobiomodulation in your endodontic uh, practice? Well, I use photobiomodulation certainly um, in all my surgical cases. Um, uh, we know that the use of this low-level uh, laser energy can uh, r- reduce um, swelling, reduce inflammation, promote healing, um, and um, you know also be used to treat um, uh, neuropathic pain or myofascial pain. So I'm using it all the time. Uh, it's, of course, a completely different wavelength. Uh, as you're aware, it's not an erbium wavelength. And um, I, I, I don't have any scientific evidence to show um, more rapid healing because I'm doing all my surgical cases with this um, stimulation. Uh, I'm not um, experimenting on my patients where some I use and some I don't. But um, in in cases where we we have large periapical lesions and we you know performing conventional endodontics, um, it's used as well. Um, I think the it's an early technology. We're only beginning to understand now the complex mechanisms on a cellular level by which it works. And, um, you know, our colleagues in um, physical therapy and vet- veterinary medicine have been using this technology a lot uh, for, for a lot longer than we have. And um, I, I, I think uh, I'm sure you, you, your experience is, is, is similar. I know you lecture a lot on this, on this topic. And I think that it is a topic for, um, uh, for advanced training. Um, you know, I think that uh, there's room for it. Um, and uh, for me, it seems to work. It seems to work very well. Managing trismus, 
managing um, altered sensation, paresthesias, even long-term uh, loss of sensation. Um, so I think it's a valuable tool, but I just don't think our colleagues are uh, are ready for it yet. I think small steps, one step at a time in endo, uh, first to get them to acknowledge the the uh, ad advantages um, of of Erbium YSGG um, technology, and uh, once they're comfortable with that, to um, to move on into low level uh, photobiomodulation. And um, I know you've been working with this for for a long time, and I remember many occasions where I've uh, cornered you and asked you for you know a particular setting on you know what what settings to use, and uh, it's quite a, con a, a um, controversial subject. You've got some bitter rivals out there who claim that the uh, op opposing rival is not using it the way it should be used. So, so it's a science that um, that's evolving. Um, certainly the biphasic nature of this, uh, of this science, where you can either stimulate on one hand or inhibit on the other hand, um is very useful and uh but you do need patience to manage these cases and uh patience in terms of time not patience in terms of people yes um because the uh the more chronic the situation the the longer it'll take for you to see um you know positive results has that been your experience yes uh, absolutely uh, i have been um moving more towards the true um low-level nature of uh, using these wavelengths versus what has traditionally been called low-level, where where people are using uh, several watts of uh, power. Um, and, you know, at, at first, it's, it's almost like, how could this low level of energy possibly have any sort of effect if it's not warm, if the patient can't feel it? It's like a magic wand, uh, but once you see the results in significant cases, uh, you know you you become a believer. Yeah, I, I whenever I do surgery, and although we are not doing as much uh, apical surgery as we used to because um, of the success we have with laser assisted uh, uh, technology in treatments and retreatments, um, every patient gets a trifold brochure on on this because during the, the surgery they see us using this, this red light which they can't feel which isn't hot and um you know rather than surprise them in the middle of the procedure we actually prepare them uh with some literature to go through to understand what you know what we're doing and what we're trying to achieve well there aren't many people educating their patients about that uh, just because, <laughs> but I guess it's easier if you have a trifold rather than yes. tr trying to have a conversation. <laughs> oh, Dr. Justin Kolnick, uh, your passion is absolutely infectious. Um, thank you so much for making the time for us today. Chris, for you, I kill the bull. Uh, anytime, <laughs> anytime, um, whether it's here or whether we're in Kuala Lumpur or Dubai or... Um, Although it's getting harder and harder for us to to travel, it's certainly quite strenuous to run around the world. Um, uh, I enjoy the fact that you are now um, in my backyard in Westchester, uh, teaching at Toro 
dental school and um it was great it was great chatting with you and um and uh hopefully um this podcast will be viewed by others and uh and maybe um one or two pearls of wisdom will be taken home back to their practices well i i can't imagine that that's that wouldn't be the case unless you weren't listening um you're just a a, a wealth of knowledge and i appreciate your time so to our listeners thank you so much for your support and kind words offline we're so glad that you're enjoying our guests and speaking of which please join us again next time as we continue to explore the fascinating world of lasers and dentistry and especially the people who make it happen here on the laser 101 podcast <laughs>